Welcome into RJ Bell's dream preview for the first ever European soccer betting edition of this particular feed. I got my man Griffin Warner here. Uh, you might know him from the baseball podcast or before that, the college basketball podcast he does with AJ Hoffman. And um, I've been listening to your podcast, uh, Griffin, and I am uh, impressed by the knowledge. And as someone that used to be probably after the NBA, you know, not even probably, definitely it was probably right alongside the NBA, European soccer and the ins and outs and all the transfers and all the drama. That was that was my uh, that was my sports consumption for a long time. And back in my college days, I'm excited to get back into it, get back the expertise because I'm talking to a man who has that expertise already. Uh, how you doing, Griffin Warner? Are you ready for the English Premier League season? I'm ready for it all, man. I got to say, um, I felt like I haven't had a lot on my calendar ever since the soccer season wrapped up in just, uh, I don't know, maybe that was June, so a month or so ago. Um, thank you for dropping all the podcasts I've been doing. Yes, I've been recording quite a bit, um, getting as much use out of this microphone sitting in front of me as possible. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Um, I follow the top five leagues as closely as I can, pretty much if I can get it on TV. So why don't you tell the people what the, the top five European soccer leagues are? as far as you see it. So I think it's it's not as debatable as, as some people would make it sound. It's usually just I go by the money. And uh, the Premier League is, would be first, English Premier League. There's a Scottish and, and many other Premier Leagues out there. But so England, I guess I'd say first. I think you could probably argue second, but I think Spain has kind of made itself a, a clear second. Uh, but ultimately is not the 1A, 1B that might have been in the few years beforehand. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the, the squad values and, and the, the big players have kind of left the Spanish league. Uh, then after that, it'd probably be Italy third, uh, and then Germany fourth, and then France fifth would probably be the top five. You could argue that Portugal is kind of catching up to France, especially because France has had a lot of financial problems of late. But uh, those first five are generally the ones I try to follow as closely as possible, plus the, the midweek stuff, the Europa League, uh, Champions League, all those sort of things. Um, I'm trying to watch as much soccer as possible because I'm a, a sportsaholic and I love I love grinding through a season. Here's why France will not be sixth on any ranking of soccer leagues, despite the revenue, despite the a- aggregate ranking. Uh, if you ask the average person, name three soccer players, they'll probably give you Neymar. They'll definitely give they'll definitely give you Messi. They probably won't give you Verratti, but he's also very you know well known. PSG alone, despite what the rest of France is doing, is why they're going to be in the conversation. But we're in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the Premier League. We're going to be previewing this weekend's Community Shield. And to put it into context, the leagues that uh, some non-soccer yet, I think I'll get you. I think, I think you're going to like you know the action here. If you're not a soccer fan yet, the Premier League is the Premier League. You don't even have to say English Premier League because it's that with a bullet important. Is the fourth biggest league in the world. First is the NFL. You might have heard of it. Second is baseball. Third is the NBA by revenue. Fourth is the English Premier League. It is the big kahuna, even though Messi's never been there, even though Ronaldo couldn't wait to leave. It is uh, where usually the best soccer players in the world operate. And in the Community Shield, how it generally works is the winner of the FA Cup will face the winner of the Premier League. And one of the cool things about soccer is that they have these concurrent leagues and tournaments going on, not to mention the international obligations. And one of the reasons we're starting this podcast now going probably about once a week, is to gear up for this 2022 World Cup in November where we're going to be doing uh, an extravaganza of podcasts. I mean, I'm going to be glued to the TV 
because uh, that's my favorite sports league in the world. My favorite two weeks, four weeks of sports watching is the World Cup coming up. For sure. Yeah, I mean, come on. Nothing beats it when you can have one goal, one Ronaldinho 27-yard free kick against England to break the tie, where soccer's not going to be the same after that. Brazil ended up winning that 2002 World Cup that I'm talking about, and England never recovered, and Ronaldinho became a multiple-time World Player of the Year, You know, one of the great sports stars of the early 2000s. And it was that moment, you could identify it, that moment in the World Cup where the world kind of shifted. And that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of uh, game changers that happen on that stage. Griffin, the Premier League coming up, the Community Shield coming up. Last year, how did you do? First of all, we're a betting podcast. We want to make some money. Uh, And what lessons did you take away uh, from the Premier League specifically, before we'll get into the Community Shield talking about the top two teams, Man City and Liverpool, but Premier League generally last year, how did it treat you? Uh, it probably wasn't my best of leagues, I'll have to admit. Um, I think I, ha- I was pretty good in France and Germany. I-, I don't know if the size of the league matters. I mean, there's certainly, you could argue it's a sharper market in England because there's so many people watching it. There's so many people betting on it all that sort of stuff. I, I think I did fairly well. I, my season record, I made over 700 bets that I posted and tweeted. So like there were some that didn't get on there, but I think I finished about 60 or 70 games over 500. Uh, had a pretty good run in futures as well. So I'm hoping to follow that up. And I think in terms of lessons learned, I would like to not be sweating as much as I did last year. And that many uh, picks trying to track that just for record keeping sake is hard enough. I also try to watch all these matches, which is also really difficult. Um, But my goal this year is to be a little bit more uh, considerate or cognizant of the juice that's involved in this sport, because there is some expensive prices that's out there. But uh, one of the favorite things I have about this sport, there's no extra innings. uh, There's no extra time that affects your 90 minute wager. I mean, you have additional time that would be added on before the second half ends in any type of match. But um, that's a really nice thing because the amount of underdogs that go to overtime uh, they're always endangered species in pretty much any other sport. The amount of unders that die in extra innings in baseball with these ghost runners, I- I'm I'm very happy, looking forward to a, a what should be a pretty low scoring game, a game that can end zero zero nil nil and not go to overtime. Always a lot better for an underdog. I'm with you. One of the great aspects of soccer is I can say, hey, this game starting at eight o'clock. You know what, Rodrigo? I'm gonna meet you at 10:10 down the street at Starbucks because I know exactly when that game's gonna end. There's no if, ands, ors about it. Baseball game, it'll be like, hey, Rodrigo, I'll catch you this afternoon. I'm not exactly sure what's going down with this game. So that's one of the. I mean, Bill Simmons talked about that. It's one of the great aspects of the World Cup is just how much you can plan an event when you know exactly when it's gonna start and when it's gonna end. And I love a good draw, especially when I got money on it. Uh, watching them, you know, kick it to the corner and try to keep the ball, uh, you know, keep that clock running. It's it's something I enjoy as as a defensive minded guy, as a guy that likes, you know, tactics like that and strategy. So I don't mind a, a good one one draw if I got plus a half goal. And you mentioned futures. Why don't you, uh, as we get ready for this Premier League season, talk about some of the teams you liked, why you liked them, and uh, talk about you know, gloat a little bit some of the caches you had on last year's future market in the Premier League. Premier League, I did have a loser I, I, I played last year was that I thought Brentford would get relegated. They were one of the three recently promoted sides, which are usually that's the toughest situation to be in because they essentially come up from the second division, which, by the way, if you're not into soccer yet, folks, this the coolest thing in the world is you can't tank for a number one pick because you literally will be 
relegated to the division below and your your squad, your club, your franchise will be worth half or maybe one third of what it was just six days before you were relegated. So everyone's playing every game, but there's a lot of risk involved where three teams will go down. It's a little bit different in France, four going down this year, but it's usually three go down in each league. And Brentford were a recently promoted side that um, hadn't spent a ton of money. And there were a lot of questions about kind of what they were going to do, what their plan was. They were kind of the money ball franchise that um, the Oakland Athletics made famous, though they haven't really won anything with that strategy, but they did make it pretty popular. And uh, they came up and I, I looked a lot of what they were looking like and what their team looked like. And they hadn't spent a ton of money, yet they were significantly different. Uh, their pricing was significantly different to be relegated. And uh, I, I try to put out um, plus money uh, futures, things that I like that I think fit fairly well. So it was kind of, I, I, I definitely paid the price. I didn't know the team well enough, I don't think. But the other two teams that came up that were promoted were really awful. And so that made it pretty easy. Um, but the Brentford had a really good start to the season, had an awesome first uh, first game. It was their first season in the actual Premier League. They'd never been in the top division, so that was also kind of played into my reasoning. Uh, but they played well. They had a really bad stretch in the middle of the season, um, which I think you'll see with promoted clubs is that they don't have the depth that a lot of these teams have. We'll probably get to this later, but a big thing why Man City is so good and so talented is they have um, two, they're too deep at every position where a lot of other teams are pretty weak at many of the positions they start and really have no depth. Um, Brentford survived that problem. They ended up signing Christian Eriksen, who a lot of people would know from passing out in the middle of a, I think his heart stopped in the middle of a European championship match. Um, that was one of the few times that you could uh, not set your clock to uh, when a game would end. That took one of the most traumatic things I've probably ever watched <laughs> on television uh, to make that happen. But anyway, they they uh, certainly outperformed my expectations, and they're in the league again this year, uh, and have spent a lot more money and, and kind of look like they're building a team that might stick around for a little while. So that wasn't a great one, but um, ultimately it was uh, a really great season nonetheless. Um, I, I, speaking of the two teams we were considering, I uh, had an interest in Liverpool at a pretty long odds to win – the English Premier League last year uh, did not end up playing it and felt pretty happy when they narrowly missed. But uh, I don't want to steal the rest of the show, so keep going. Yes, and Liverpool, despite that finish, is still second favorite, which they were last year. But notable last year, City was minus one fifty to win it. About Liverpool was five to one. This year, City, with that unprecedented or at least unparalleled amount of spending power, is still number one, minus one fifty, minus one sixty to win the Premier League. And Liverpool's payout has been cut in half. They're plus 250. Despite losing, you know, one of the best players in Europe, Sadio Mane. So that's interesting. Has City disappointed or is Liverpool better than we thought? Jurgen Klopp, I think, has probably beaten expectations, you know, on a global scale. Uh, each year he's been there in Liverpool. You mentioned spending and Brentford, uh, dis- Brentford, despite spending more money, can't spend enough to keep Ericsson, who you mentioned. Who, he's gone to United. There's still 20th out of 20 Premier League teams in spending where City's at the top of that list. Let's talk about City and Liverpool now. You you mentioned that you were you know more optimistic than the market on Liverpool. Was that more about City uh, and some problems that you saw coming? They obviously lost Sterling. They're going to kind of be a different team coming up. Or was that more about Liverpool? Did you think they were underrated? More importantly, now do you think they're underrated? Same question about City. 
Sure. So last season, I think it was um, Liverpool suffered a ton of injuries and that seems to happen. I mean, you would think that soccer is not as physical a game, but they are playing 90 minutes running six miles a, a day. And a lot of times the big clubs are playing twice a week. So that's part of why they have such deep squads compared to a Brentford, as we already spoke about, who's playing one game a week, whereas Man City is probably playing two. Um, and, and that does create some challenges and certainly test some limits to abilities and to depth and availability, which is to me, just as big of a skill as having good quads. You got to be able to actually use them and be on the pitch as much as possible. Uh, but specific to Liverpool last season, I just felt like they had come off a season where a lot of their good players hadn't played at all or played far fewer minutes than anyone else. And I think they deserved Virgil van Dyke. Sorry. Yeah. Virgil van Dyke was a big injury last year, right? Yeah. Two years ago? Two years ago. Um, and so there was some risk in him coming back. And there was like a question about how much he would actually play because he was coming off an ACL reconstruction, a pretty nasty injury and a big rivalry match. Um, but he came back and, and certainly did take some games on the sideline, but ultimately was far more available than I think most people would have expected. Uh, and I just I didn't feel like there was that big of a difference between Liverpool, who had dominated the league two seasons ago, um, and Man City, because I've, I've kind of had questions about Man City as an offense. Just I, I think you can speak to why they're a favorite this season, because um, they won last year, which is important and says something, but uh, I think is a bit of a status quo type of situation. But also, they're really good because they're really deep, and they're just so much better than the teams that they're playing every day. But I feel like when the two teams played each other, I think they drew twice last year. So they're pretty close and pretty similar and that's kind of getting, I mean, five to one odds, I think is what I was looking at before the season. It's a pretty big number to potentially look at uh, two similar teams. And to put some percentages on that, this is how much the dastardly bookie is taking out when you're looking at a futures market. So the current odds right now for this season's premier league city minus minus one sixty, shopped consensus. All these are shopped consensuses. Liverpool plus two fifty. Drops all the way to Tottenham at twelve to one, Chelsea at sixteen to one, Man United twenty eight to one. So to win a one sixty bet, if you want to bet City to win it, most money just got the number one off season transfer, Erling Holland, a very exciting young player. Maybe that's what they missed on their offense, a real bone in out and out striker, number nine. They're minus one sixty, which means you have to win sixty two percent of the time to be a profitable wager. If you put that all these futures odds in a calculator and say, you know, what is the implied odds that the market is giving City? Only 54%. So you got to make up an 8% difference. If you're betting NFL sides, for example, you're betting 50%. You got to hit 52.5%. You got to make up two and a half points in that way. Much different in this futures market. You really got to have a strong inclination. Now, that, that said, if you have a plus 500 and it should be plus 250, obviously you make that bet 10 times out of 10. So Next week, we're going to do a full Premier League preview. All top 20 teams, where we think they're going to land, who we think is going to win it. But I'll say uh, for this pod, we're going to talk about the Community Shield coming up. Who do you think is going to finish ahead of whom? Just the top two teams, City or Liverpool, gun to your head. What's your inclination? I'm inclined to say that Manchester City will finish ahead. Uh, Not, I mean, I think I would say that blind to the market, though, I think... Most people that follow the sport would have expected Man City to be favored to win this uh, the Premier League. Um, but I think I, I have some questions about Liverpool and what they're going to look like this year. I think the Sadio Mane loss is a little bit bigger than it's been made out to be. 
and I also think that Darwin Nunez is a, a big, big signing uh, from the Portuguese league. I think he's really talented, but I'm a little bit concerned that he won't fit into the same type of pressing style that uh, Jurgen Klopp wants to play. So I have some questions about that and, and kind of want to hang with the status quo. Um, do I think Manchester City wins this 62% of the time? Not exactly, but uh, I think if I had to pick gun to my head, as you as you said, I'll take Man City to finish higher than Liverpool. Yeah, gun to my head, I'm not going to buck you know billions of dollars represented by the global betting market. I'll go City too. I'll say this about City. Pep Guardiola is the guy that, I kind of started uh, my interest in soccer with Barcelona, 2008, 2009, that style, tiki taka is what it was called, uh, really fascinated me. And the idea was short passes, constant passes, prioritize possession, prioritize pressing. If you do lose the ball, get it back and you don't have to win five to two. You can win two to zero. Spain, uh, international team took that same concept to the, to the, the World Cup championship. And they never scored. They never scored two goals in a game doing it. One zero, one zero, one zero. So now you bring in Erling Haaland. Am I saying that right? About? I mean Holland. I think you'd say, but you're close enough. You're close enough. I'm not going to correct. You. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to don uh, don a, a, a Dutch accent to say the guy's name. But yeah, that guy. Uh, he's he is definitely a phenomenon. And when COVID first struck, uh, the first league that came back in earnest was the Bundesliga. And I remember watching, you know, six, seven in the morning, those, those, those weekend games and those weekday games, because it was the only thing on and I was fiending for, for some action. Uh, he just was head and shoulders above his competition at 19 years old in a real league, you know, a top five league. He definitely has the goods. That said, Barcelona back in the day, Spain, even with Villa, not really. They'd never, you've never, I've never really seen an out and out you know, Ibrahimovic, even though he was on Barcelona, there's a reason he left. It didn't really work. You know, I've never really seen that standalone number nine striker fit in this kind of, you know, pass and move system. It's usually a lot of attacking midfielders. It's a lot of Raheem Sterling and Silva's. So I'm going to be fascinated and I would not buck, you know, all the money that's saying they should be favored, but I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk as much as it seems to be on paper. You mentioned Liverpool. Roberto Firmino is kind of that perfect, he's a striker, but he's more of a midfielder. He can kind of link up with Mane when he was there and and Salah. Uh, what do you think the Liverpool big three will be day one? Do you think they get they put Nunes out as the number nine right away? Or do you think he maybe comes off the bench to start? What do you think the Liverpool new look big three will be? Because for a long time, Mane and Salah were, you know, you know the Kobe and Shaq of, of, of European soccer. I mean, that maybe. Maybe that's extreme, but they were a one-two punch that was un- unmatched. And now that's going to be split up. That's going to look a little different. How do you think that's going to that's going to shake out? So I, I don't think you're going too far by saying that. I think um, the three-headed monster, essentially, of uh, Mane on the left, Firmino in the middle, and Salah on the right were what made Liverpool so strong. It's because they were... I mean, it certainly helped having Virgil van Dijk who can can essentially cover a ton of space and is almost like two defenders that you only waste one person or one position on the pitch for. Uh, but the three guys essentially would just choke the opponent. They would, uh, even if they lose the ball in the opponent's uh, third, they would just immediately go into that pressing style and 
teams would not be able to get out of it. I think a lot of the Premier League is unfortunately there's six big clubs and a lot of uh, others that are in there. The other 14 are kind of just all trying to hang in the league, it seems. And they don't have the most polished uh, center backs that are comfortable with the ball at their feet uh, and making good passes, especially from a goalkeeping position. So I think their strength was uh, three guys, none really that were incredible aerial uh, targets by any means. I think Nunez will be a little bit different in that way. Um, but that was kind of who they were. And so this is a pretty big change from what that, I guess, was in the past to then what it could be now. Uh, in terms of their front three, um, I think because Diego Jota, who they'd acquired beginning of last season from Wolves, uh, the Wolverhampton Wanderers, another English Premier League club, um, I think with his injury, I, I don't think he's going to be really in contention for a little while to start. Uh, but I don't think Nunez is going to be there at the beginning. I think it's probably going to be a lineup similar to what they used against Leipzig uh, a few weeks ago in the preseason. It lo- looked like Luis Diaz, a-, a big signing from Portuguese league. I mean, it's hilarious at how everyone gets rated, seeming like every 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 year almost. But Diaz, Firmino, Salah looks like probably what I would expect um, with potentially some rotation in those. But I think Salah is probably the the first name on the team sheet that's nailed and locked in there for uh, until he begs to come off the pitch. You bring up a good point. The Premier League is not the NBA. It's not MLB. There's no salary cap. Well, there's no salary cap in MLB, but you get what I mean. There is haves and have-nots. The top six teams in the odds are also the top six teams in spending, and those teams are Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Man United, and Arsenal. Arsenal's sixth in both spending and odds. They're 33 to 1. The next closest team is 200 to 1. There's no chance. There's no team in the vicinity of the top six teams. Arsenal spends about 112 million pounds per year. Uh, And thankfully, you know, there's some good parts of a global economic crash. Pounds are pretty much dollars now. We don't have to do complicated math. You can just think of this in dollars. 112 million pounds or dollars. And Leicester City only spends 70. So that's the gap. That's the gap we're talking about, and you should know that as a, as a handicapper, um, oftentimes there's motivational discrepancies, but whenever the six teams are one of the, whenever a top six team that I just mentioned is playing a not top six team, there is no question about the superior talent level. It's just it's, it's not an even playing field. Uh, so th- all that being said, we have two of those marquee teams coming up in the community shield this Saturday morning, and the odds are. Manchester City's plus 130, Liverpool's plus 180, and a draw is plus 250. You talk about the Daxter Lee bookies and they're big. Well, I did a you know back of that envelope math to kind of kind of show uh, the type of edges you need to be profitable betting on this three-way line in soccer. So Liverpool's plus 180. That means you need 36% of the times for them to win for you to be profitable. You put that in a calculator. With these three odds, they're only about 33% chance to win. So you got to make up a 3% gap. That's similar to betting NFL sides, which is 2.5%, 2.38% to be exact, like I mentioned, but it's a little bit more. To bet City, similar, plus 130 odds, that's 43% you would need to cash that ticket in a profitable way, to have a profitable wager, but their implied odds are only 40%, another 3% gap. So with all that being said, with uh, Nunez probably not starting, I think Holland, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Holland does seem like they're going to put him out there. 
how do you think this game is going? How do you think the new additions uh, will factor in? And uh, do you have a, a, a bet that you like coming up in this Saturday's Community Shield? Um, so I'll start out with, yes, I believe that Holland will start. Uh, he was pretty much the jewel of the transfer market uh, saga offseason. Every day ESPN FC is speculating, where is he going? Where is he going? Where is he going? I think Manchester City emerged as a favorite pretty early, but it wasn't guaranteed. There was some interest from Real Madrid, especially after Kylian Mbappe decided to stay at PSG, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, but I do think he'll start. Um, I am certainly curious about what Manchester City will look like because they've essentially played with what feels like eight midfielders of their 10 outfield non-goalkeeper players. Um, and so moving to a, a out-and-out number nine, as you already mentioned, with Nunez, it feels like a little bit different of a scenario to me. And, and so I do have some questions about what Manchester City are going to do because uh, they are ultimately they're a really talented team, but they're a lot of people have moved on. They moved on Raheem Sterling, who's a, a big part of the English national team that we'll, we'll be seeing in the World Cup in the United States group uh, in November. Um, so there's plenty of questions about both of these clubs, um, and especially that they're playing in a neutral field in Leicester. Um, it should be a pretty split crowd, I would expect, because, I mean, English mad, or excuse me, a football mad country is England, or, or soccer mad, however you want to call it. Um but I think that from when I'm looking at these two teams, they don't seem very different to me. I think they drew both their matchups uh, in the regular season when they played last year. I don't think they had any cup competitions where they face each other. But um, I remember a 2-2 draw that was pretty exciting. And I'm very much looking forward to this match on Saturday for sure. I think from where I sit, um, if there's an underdog here in this matchup, that's who I'd be looking for. Because I don't think that there's a huge amount to split these teams. Now, you're, you mentioned the three-way line. A lot of what I'm interested in and tr- what I've kind of focused on betting is the what's called an Asian handicap, which gives um, quarters, halves, one full goal, a bunch of different numbers that kind of makes the spread a little bit easier because ultimately with a three-way line, if it draws and you have a team that you pick to win, you lose that bet. So most of my strategy is betting an underdog, hoping that they will win, but ultimately if they draw, um, I will likely see some proceeds from that based on what I was putting together. So um, to answer your question, I think um, based on those odds, as you've, as you've already shouted out, I, I made Manchester City a slight like pick ish favorite, pick with a lot of juice, basically. Um, and I imagine that's probably what this number will come out to in that um, Asian handicap area. I think from where I sit, uh, it's Liverpool or nothing for me at the plus one quarter you can find which I don't know if, Mackenzie, you want to go through kind of the breakdown of what that actually means for our listeners, but certainly we can do that if that's necessary. 1,000%. And let me preface this by saying this. Looking at European soccer odds and when I spend a little bit of time in Ireland studying abroad and seeing a lot of numbers and signs that didn't make much sense to me began to make a lot much more sense when PASPA was repealed and New Jersey came up and DraftKings came up and FanDuel came up. All those things, the live odds, the cash out, all those innovations I put in air quotes, I had seen before, even though I didn't recognize them, in what Europe Europe was doing with soccer betting. And you talk about the Asian handicap. These kind of nuances I am actually fascinated by because they often are the precursor to just a more mature sports betting market. America hasn't been doing it to the scale or to the degree that Europe has been doing. Uh, And one of the ways they can find... Everyone likes a minus 110 bet. 
If they can get it, they like to think everyone says it's 50-50, but I think it's 51-49. I mean, that's just the, that's why the spread was invented in NFL and NBA. That's kind of what people want to bet, a 50-50 scenario where you think you have the edge. So the Asian handicap is a great way to get that closer to minus 110 or better odds, depending on um, if you're going a quarter goal or a half goal. So why don't you just pick one example, and uh, when we find bets that we like that are of this variety, we'll explain it again. Uh, but real quickly, uh, what would be a, a realistic, and that I've seen the 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 spreads and these types of bets aren't out yet. They just have the money line that I've seen uh, this far ahead of the, of the match. But what is a, what would be a typical spread for this kind of game? And why don't you explain uh, the, I can actually do it right for this one. Um, So current, current odds, I have Liverpool plus one quarter. So you'll see it displayed as a PK pick, pick them comma plus one half. So they are essentially getting one quarter of a goal. Basically, you do one half and pick them. You add them together, divide by two, and that's what your number is. It means half your bet is at pick them. Half of it is getting one half of a goal. So if there's no goal scored in that matchup, you will win half the bet because your pick them will ultimately push. Your plus one half will win uh, if that goalless draw does happen. So you basically get paid. I mean, you'd risk the same. The The sports books have made it, I think, fairly simple where you put in a certain amount and they'll end up grading it and, and returning the money that they owe you and all that sort of stuff. Um, best case scenario is Liverpool wins 1-0 and you get your whole bet back. Currently, it's 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 plus one quarter and it's minus 124. So there's a fair amount of juice and that kind of matches what I was expecting where this number would be, which is Manchester City as a slight favorite, um, which also does bring up the question, is there value in this? Maybe you could argue that certainly because I imagine that if you're giving away a quarter as a sports book, you're probably not loving that because you probably want it to be pick them. But say la vie, we'll continue. And so um, if you're betting the other side uh, as Manchester City minus one quarter, um, you if you draw nil nil, you lose half of your bet uh, because you'll have lost the minus one half but you'll get refunded the amount that is put at Pick'em. So half of your stake will come back to your account. You won't win anything because you wouldn't have won either side of that bet, essentially. It's it's two bets into one. It's graded independently, but returned to your account, usually in the same type of transaction, uh, depending what sports book you're using. Would you like me to go any deeper than that, Mackenzie? I think you're perfectly nailing it. Uh, just to extend the analogy, not the analogy, but to bring up another example. So a three-quarters bet you're splitting your bet between plus a half and plus one goal, right? Yes. All right. So with this game, uh, first of all, pull back the curtain here. I'm looking at my typical sites, FanDuel, William Hill, DraftKings, Bet Online, and I haven't seen that. Uh, that so let me pull back the curtain. I don't know what you're currently looking at. Why don't you uh, uh, tell me and enlighten the people on uh, which sites you see th- these type of lines and which sites you you think are the best for betting soccer? Yeah. So I I try to quote. Uh, the same one. Bet online is not paying me to do this, but uh, would like them to. Uh, but I, I, that's what I found is usually up first as they have. I've been with them a while because they were a good spot for openers uh, back in the day. Really, in college basketball was kind of where I got started with them. They usually have lines out first, and so that's where I try to end up grabbing kind of where things were so I can see movement and have that. I, I wish I had a little bit better of a system than me putting it in an Excel file, but I, I try to track it that way. Um, it's a little bit different because the soccer lines, they, they're they put up 
based on what league they're you're looking for. And so you kind of had to scroll down to other leagues and find under England that there was a specific English Community Shield matchup to click on. And that's how I got here. Unfortunately, I missed a lot of cup competitions in my first season betting this because um, I didn't know where to look and I didn't know what was happening. It's been a it's been a long learning process, but I actually uh, coincidentally, and I'll make this short, but I also started watching because the Bundesliga was that first sport that came back uh, after or during really the U.S. COVID quarantine. So uh, that got me hooked. And then I've only expanded my horizon since then. But yes, so if you eventually get there, I'll run through that that three quarter uh, example. So let's say Liverpool. I mean, there probably will be other lines offered that you could then pay higher juices for. Uh, I can't imagine Liverpool will move to a half of a goal, even especially probably not three quarters. But that might be offered at some of your books uh, if they're a little bit more exotic. And in that situation, if Liverpool loses by a goal, you'll end up losing half of your bet of Liverpool plus one half but you will push your Liverpool plus one, say they lost the game one nil, uh, then you'd get half your money returned. Whereas if you bet the other side, bet Manchester City minus three quarters, you'd win your bet at minus one half. You would push your bet at minus one in that one nil victory. And so you'll get that money returned back to you. So essentially you'll get all that your stake was put out there. Plus you'll get half of the, I guess, to win amount. Uh, because you would have won that that minus one half part of that wager. Yes, and when these, uh, and I found I found it on on Bet Online on the very great instructions by you, not in the EPL section because it's not a Premier League game, but in England. Right. When these are when it's game day, when it's a Saturday morning, you you're going to be able to bet plus a quarter, plus a half, plus three quarters goals uh, with different odds, with the appropriate odds up and down the line, which is great because. As betters, the more options you have, the more ability you're able to find profitable wagers. Now, what do you think about this as a profitable wager? Over two and a half goals, minus 124. You just mentioned this was a 2-2 draw the last time Last time these two teams met. Both teams lost a big striker and added a big striker. Would be great in a PR perspective if Nunez got on the score sheet as a substitute or if Holland, you know, Got himself a hat trick. That would be good. That would be good for you know selling tickets this season and try to make some of the $200, $300 million that they're spending on these players. And it's not in Wembley Stadium. It's not in that big cavernous stadium that the Community Shield usually is in. The last time the Community Shield was not at Wembley Stadium, it was in Villa Park. It was a five-goal game. There hasn't been more than a three-goal game in 10 Wembley Stadium games since then. They've been very low scoring, 1-0, 1-1, 1-1, 2-0. It's a little bit of a different circumstance. These teams, best scoring teams in the league last year, obviously, and I think they want to make a statement. It, this, this is kind of an exhibition. It's Yes, it's a trophy. It's kind of like a mini major trophy, but it's not a trophy. It's not as important as making a statement for the real trophies that matter down the road. It's kind of like the Hall of Fame game if the Hall of Fame game had like a million-dollar cash payout or something and the starters paid. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Uh, I don't change these teams' power ratings much from ending last season when they were very close teams. I don't really like a side, but I like a high-scoring game. Over two and a half goals, minus 124. What do you think about that? I I like your reasoning. I do think that Wembley is a little bit different of a scenario because most of the matches that are there have a lot more on the line than just this Community Shield. Usually they are cup finals for the FA Cup, the League Cup for teams to get promoted to 
the Premier League. It's like the most expensive game that they say in the world. Um, I do think that this is a little bit different of scenario. I think it means a little bit more than you're leading on. Um, I, I think that this is a really big statement match for both of these clubs to say, we're going to win the league this year. And also we're going to beat you in the champions league as well. I think there's a little bit more to this, this match than you believe. And for some reason, everyone's trophy crazy in, in, in this, in the con- I'm all over the continent of Europe. Um, so I think it means a little bit more. I am curious about what that means though, because the start of the season, they're both coming off, I think American trips, um, or I know Man City was playing at, at uh, Lambeau Field just last weekend. So we'll see what that all looks like. Um, I think from my perspective, um, yes, there was a 2-2 uh, score in the last one. I feel like the offenses take a little while to gel. So I would probably be leaning more towards an under and a lower scoring matchup, which I think also would then benefit uh, a, a lean towards Liverpool getting that one quarter where I'm currently thinking. But um, certainly there's enough firepower on this pitch that you could see many, many goals. I just don't know really at this point of the season, especially because, I mean, it wasn't as short as an off season as last year because there was none essentially. Uh, but this year it feels like there's a little bit, there's not that much time between these matchups, between these games. They just finished the season at, at the end of May, it felt like. So um, I think there's going to be a little bit of feeling each other out and not wanting to take a big loss to start your season because that would ultimately be a big motivation and momentum type of boost if you're going to lose this one handily. You're making some good points. You've probably talked me off the bet for this reason. I often make the mistake where I'm like, this team wants this. And I have to pause and say, how much agency does the teams really have? Like, yes, both Liverpool and United, I'm, I'm sorry, and Man City would love to have a five-goal game where their new acquisitions looked great. But more than they wanting that, the other teams want that not to happen. Like you said, they don't want a big loss to start this season. And the fact that all their offensive players have moved around and Liverpool's going to look a little bit different than they have in years past, maybe that makes them want to make a statement. But that doesn't necessarily help them make that statement because they have to figure it out. They need a full training camp, you know, you know what I mean. They need to get into the swing of things before their offense is all the way there. So you've talked to me off of it, although I might lean that direction. Uh, probably not a bet for me. Pull back the curtain even further. I am I am diving into the Premier League. Looking forward to our preview next week, but I'm not necessarily ready to make a bet on this community shield with great confidence. Maybe a pizza bet on the over. I'll give you guys 2-1 city is my, is my prediction, but uh, for this week coming up, anytime before our next full preview of the Premier League season next week, do you have a wager, a best bet per se, to give to the people? Oh man, way to set me up for this. While he thinks is Griffin Warner at the real underscore G Warner on Twitter. That's at the real underscore G Warner. Kind of similar to another Texans Twitter handle. I know. I'm not going to make any uh, speculative claims about that, but. The people want to know, G. Warner, Griff, what are you betting this week? Well, um, being that I just I should have always expected my guy Mac is always going to come with a, a surprise. Uh, I wasn't really coming up with anything, but one one bet that I really like right now um, is I want to see if I can grab uh, live odds on this one. I don't want to give anything off to the people. Um, I'm looking at 
uh, in terms of futures, because I haven't jumped in yet to the uh, the weekly numbers just just yet. But I do. I'm really worried about Everton Football Club. Another the, probably what I've heard is the bigger club in Liverpool. I mean, don't shoot me for saying that, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's what I heard recently, and that was a big surprise to me. Um, but I I'm really worried about them getting relegated. I feel like they're in really bad financial trouble. They nearly got relegated last season. Uh, the last number that I saw was Everton plus 425 to get relegated. So it's a little bit of a longer shot, certainly not one of the smaller clubs, one of the bigger fan bases in the world, probably uh, former club of U.S. men's national team goalkeeper Tim Howard. But also Landon Donovan, I think, uh, had a cup of coffee, another American player with uh, with the great club of Everton. I guess before he got fat. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, currently down to plus 400, it looks like. So four to one odds right now, bet online. I don't care. Everton's going down. They cheated financially or something, whatever the rules are. Two clubs seriously in, in England last year complained or like filed some sort of uh, claim that they they besmirched the rules or whatever the English term would be. So I'll, I'll take Everton plus 400 to get relegated. Anytime there's a name like Everton that uh, probably isn't worthy of that name, I kind of look in that direction to fade them because – you talk about the big six and talk about being a bigger club in Liverpool. Okay, maybe that's extreme, but a lot of people, when they think of Premier League club, the first five, and they think of five teams, Everton would be one of those teams. The Maryside Derby, just you know, a classic team that probably doesn't have the goods that it used to have, even there in Goodison Park. I like that bet. And here's another thing that, hey, you know this, you're going to get two full 100% motivated efforts against Liverpool. You know, not every worst team in the league has that guaranteed on their calendar every year. So fade, fade Everton plus 420 to not be in the Premier League next season. Uh, that's exciting. That is that is a big balls bet to open up this podcast. I like it. That's what I do. Exactamundo, my man. All right. Well, we are looking forward to next week with a full Premier League preview. Can't wait. The biggest soccer league in the world. We're going to tell you how to make some money on it. Not only in the futures market, but each and every week coming up, gearing up for a World Club extravaganza in November. My man, Griffin Warner, thank you for joining me. How do you think we did on our first episode together? I think we did great. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing all the good news from everyone on Twitter, especially all the Liverpool fans. At uh, the real underscore G Warner, come on at me. I'm ready for it. And tell him when the over hits that Mackenzie said it would this Saturday in the Community Shield. All right, that'll do it for RJ Bell's Dream Preview European Soccer Betting Edition. We will check you next week.